That's so, so good. You got your Bibles this morning? Smartphones work. You can lift those up too. Here we go. You ready? This is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, that's true, isn't it? I am very, very, very excited. This series we're going into right now, Josh, is going to be awesome. Really good stuff. We're going to be talking about the core promises that God has for your life. And as I begin to do the research and go through the notes that we're going to share with you guys today, guys, this is awesome. You know, one of the things that I've learned in life that, that is true as, as United States citizens, as citizens of Arkansas or Texas or wherever you're from, there's a bill of rights that we all have that, is, that as Americans give us the right, here are your rights. You actually have a list of things that as American citizen you have access to. The truth is at some point in your schooling, you probably read those. And the truth is also when you got out of that class, you probably never looked at them again. And so if I were to ask you today to write down all the rights that you have as an American citizen, the truth is most of us could do a handful, and we don't even understand all that's available to us. Well, I want to tell you, I think even more so as Christians, we run into that. God has given us amazing promises for our life that are active right now. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you don't know the promises, and more importantly, if you don't pursue them and receive them, you're never even going to know they're available, and you're not going to exercise them. And and, and I'm going to get into this in more detail in a few minutes, but here's what I see with most of us, and I've been as guilty as anybody in this room. I I received Jesus as my Savior as a young man, and, and if we're not careful, we stop right there. We don't ever grow beyond that place. We don't ever understand who God's created us to be. We don't ever begin to pursue and use our gifts. And we, we are stuck. We're saved. We're going to heaven. But, but we're like a spiritual child. We're almost like an infant that never really matures to be the people that, that we're supposed to be. And I want you to know that is not God's plan. Jesus said, go and make disciples, and disciples are people that are disciplined ones that are growing, that are maturing, and that's what God wants for each of us. And I want you to know it is our desire to see you guys mature and become the people that God has called you to be. You know, Rylan's family and Rylan himself right now are in this transitional stage where he's maturing and transitioning from one place into another one, and that's difficult. That, that's difficult. Some of you remember being a teenager, Right? Some of you, it's a very distant memory, <laughs> you know, but, but there are these phases that we go through in life and we mature and we grow and, and, and as we mature, we learn things and experience things and it develops who we are. It's the same thing spiritually and we need to understand the promises that God has for us and so over these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this. I'm telling you guys, this is going to be awesome. Today, I'm going to give us an overview, and then we're going to dig into it, but I want to make sure that you understand what this is about. It's going to be great. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says this, 
God has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What Paul's saying here is that, listen, or Peter, he's saying, look, God has given us amazing promises and through them, with them, you're going to be able to achieve what God's called you to do. But here's the deal. If you don't know what they are, how are you going to achieve them? If you don't ever get to that place where you understand what's there, you will never know that they're even available to you. And we want to get to that place. Let me tell you what a promise is. A promise, the definition of a promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. But you know, in our culture, in our society, we're used to broken promises, aren't we? I mean, there are whole industries, the legal industry and different industries that exist because there were promises made, there were covenants made, there were contracts made, and those covenants or contracts were broken. And in our life, in our culture, in our society, we see that happen all the time, where we break these contracts and these promises, and now there's these results and all that thing. And so there's this whole culture that we've all grown up in where we see Broken promises, which I want to tell you something, guys. Broken promises lead to broken hearts. That's the end result of any broken promise, no matter what it is, whether it's in business or marriage or whatever, broken promises always end up in, in broken hearts. Joshua chapter 21 verse, verse 45 says this, not one of all the Lord's promises to Israel failed, everyone was fulfilled. Not one of God's promises failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. I'm going to read Hebrews 6, uh, 17 through 18 in the Message Bible. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. And let me say this right up front. Men can lie. God never does. If God makes a promise, that's the way it is. When we talk about every Sunday morning that we get up here and I say, this is my Bible, every word in it is true, that's what we're saying is, look, everything else in the world may fluctuate. Everything else may change. The weather's going to change tomorrow, but God's word never changes. It is rock solid. It's the foundation that you can build on that will always be the same, and his promises are the same way. So, so we're going to go through this today, and I'm just going to kind of walk you through. If you look at your notes, and here's the, the first blank that we have, and here's the first truth that we need to understand. I need to know his promises. God's given us promises, but you need to know what they are, okay? And if you don't know what the promises are, you can live your whole life below or under what God's best for you is. You need to know what God says about you. You need to know what God says about the situations that you're in. First Chronicles 17, 19 says this, O Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and have made known all these what? Great promises. God makes these contracts. And see, that's why as a pastor, my job in many ways is very easy because I don't give, get up here and give you my opinion unless I tell you it's my opinion. When I get up here and I'm talking about what God says, it's ironclad. 
I can make promises on his behalf because he's the one backing it up. These are his, his words. These are his contracts. And can I tell you some good news today? Even when you break your promises with God, he is still faithful for what he promised to you. The Bible tells us that even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Even when you run to the other ends of the earth and God has promised that he's never going to leave you forsake or forsake you, he's right there. He's chasing you. That is awesome. Anybody ever tried to run away from God? It's about as easy to run away from God as it is to run away from yourself. Because, you know, here's a great spiritual theological truth. Wherever you go, there you be. Right? But, but God, sometimes I think he even goes ahead of us, Scripture says, and he prepares a way for us. He is gone before us. You know, there are promises in the Bible for every situation. Obviously, I can't even cover a minute amount of those today, but I'm just going to give you a few. I'm not going to read the scriptures, but when you go through battles in life, there are promises, scriptural promises for battles that you go through. When you're dealing with your finances or money, there are spiritual and scriptural promises about money. When you're dealing with fear in your life, there's scripture that you can go to to help you with fear. When you're dealing with sickness, there are promises of God that you can stand on. When you're dealing with confidence, there's scriptures to help you if, you if you struggle with that. And safety, there's God's promises for our safety. There is even promises for going to the dentist. Yeah, but I'll share that one with you. Crown him with many crowns. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but let me give you a big thought today. Let me give you a big thought today. When life doesn't make sense, hold on to God's promises. When everything else seems to be falling apart, guys, let me just tell you something today. When your friends fail you, when the government falls apart, when storms are on the horizon and you don't have anywhere else to go, listen to me, you can trust God. And you can hold on to him. Amen? All right, so that's the first truth. We need to understand his promises. The second thing we need to do is we need, we need to, I need to understand God's promises. You need to. You don't just need to listen to me talk about God's promises. When you're dealing with a challenge in your life, you need to go find them. You need to get to a place where you understand how, and that's one of the things we, we're talking about on Wednesday nights, is I want to help equip you guys to go search the word and find those promises for you. And understand how to search those out. You know, sometimes we can get frustrated when we read God's promises and we think maybe there's false advertising or maybe God's teasing us. You know, we, we wonder, do we believe what God really says? And I want you to know, just listen to this. Numbers 23 verse 19 says this. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Man. You know, there are still promises that God gave me as a 16-year-old when he showed me scripture that I still stand on today that are core truths in my life because I know he spoke those to me. And when everything else falls apart around me, I remember what he said. And he is always faithful. Brenda, he's always faithful. God will never let you go. And his promises are absolutely true. Now listen, there's a truth with promises. Some of God's promises are eternal and they're unconditional. Salvation is eternal and unconditional. Jesus died on the cross. When you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you're saved. Guys, isn't that awesome? 
That is good news, but listen to me. Some of God's promises to you are conditional, which means they require you to do something. And if you look in the Bible, you'll see that. Jesus would heal people like, you know, the man that was born blind. Jesus put mud on his eyes and healed him. And that was awesome, right? He didn't have to do anything. He just sat there. But then there were other times that Jesus would tell people to do something like the lepers. And he'd say, hey, you know, you're going to be healed, but go see the priest. Why did he do that? Jesus wanted them to take action to their faith. God doesn't want to create spiritually lazy disciples. There's work that we have to do. It's like with tithing. You know, you may pray, God, bless me, bless me. But God says, well, if you tithe, I'll give. But if you don't, if you don't get involved, if you don't get active, then I'm not going to be able to fulfill these promises in your life. Write this down. I'm, I want you all to... Actually, you've heard this enough. Finish the sentence that I start. Blessing follows what? Obedience. In God's kingdom... Blessing follows obedience. And so many times when we're dealing with the promises of God, God requires us to do things, and then he fulfills his part of the promises. So here's how that works. First, we must live in obedience to God. Why? Because sin can hinder our relationship. Sin can hinder our relationship. Second, we must ask in faith and believe that God has a way and then he can make a way. Why? Because we serve a God who can raise the dead. We can serve a God who can raise the dead. You know, I'm dealing with families in our church now that have gone through a trying time in their relationship, and anybody looking at their marriages would go, that is deader than a doorknob. But we're seeing God resurrect that. Why? Because God raises the dead. He restores. That's what he does. God does miracles. Isn't that awesome? (coughs) But here's the third one, and this is the hardest one. We must be patient and wait for his timing. We must be patient and wait for God's timing because here's the deal. God's promises are true, but he's going to bring them about in fulfillment at his timetable and not ours. How many of you have an urgent personality? Come on, let's see it. Yeah, you're like, yes, me, hallelujah, right? But here's the deal. Barbie, I just promise you this. You can write this down and take it to the bank. God is going to fulfill his promises on his timetable. But can I tell you something? You get to participate in that. Because God makes promises, and if you will be obedient to what he tells you to do, that will help the timetable. But guess what? You can also delay it. How many of you, God has told you to do something, and you knew he told you to do it, and you decided not to, and you got to take another lap? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where, where you knew God was telling you to do something, but you decided you were going to do it your way, and you get to take another lap. And that's the way he works. I've just seen it. I'm 51 years old. I've seen it over and over in my own life where God would say, do, 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 and I would go, well, maybe, or I would halfway do it, or I'd do 95% of it, but I wouldn't do 5%, and God goes, you had not figured it out yet. But can I tell you something? That's exhausting. And this isn't in my notes, so this is part of the good stuff. Some of you need to decide you're just tired. And and you're fighting him. And he's saying, he wants to bless you and he wants to do things in your life, but, but you're holding off. There's these certain areas in your life that you're not willing to let go and you're not cooperating. And listen, guys, with God, it's not 99%, it's 100. And we've got to do it his way. 
And can I just tell you, he is very patient. He can outlast you. (laughs) And you need to just decide. And you know one of the marks of a spiritually mature person is when they just do it his way the first time. (laughs) And just cooperate with him because God is going to do what God is going to do. Amen? So let's talk here for a few minutes about uh, God's core promises, okay? There are four core promises that God has promised his people and that we'll be covering in this series. Exodus 6, 6 through 7 says this, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own. There are four promises in this scripture. Now, now where this series came about is a pastor named Chris Hodges went to Israel, and, and while he was in Israel, they were celebrating the Passover, and he noticed that at this table during the Passover, there were these four cups, and these four cups that were on this table represented these promises given to the Hebrew people. And these four promises are what I'm about to share with you. Each of those cups represented a promise from God that's for me and for you. So let's go through these real quick. Number one, God says, I will bring you out. I will bring you out. And what that means is, is that God promises me salvation. That's where everything starts. God says, I'm going to save you. Now, we understand the Passover was an incomplete picture of what Jesus did on the cross. And Jesus is that. He is our Lord, but he is our Savior. He saved us. And this is not, I want to be very clear, this is not about being religious. God's first desire is to set us free from our spiritual bondage. That's really what he's coming to do. And Jesus said that. Jesus told us when he, he spoke up one time and told everybody his job description, he said, this is why I'm here. I came to set the captives free and I came to heal the brokenhearted. Isn't that good news? He came to set us free spiritually. He came to save us but he also came to heal us. And I love that because it's a twofold thing. He said, listen, I'm going to save you for eternity, but I want to heal you where you are. And all the brokenness and the mess and all the things in our life, all the hurt and the things that we've gone through, Jesus is in the business of fixing those things now. I know there's going to come eternity and all those things will be done, but God doesn't have to wait to do that. He wants to do some of that now. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you can look at areas in your life and you know that God has healed you from some things now in your past? Isn't that awesome? And he wants to do that for everybody. Titus 3, 3 through 8 says this, reading out of the message. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. (laughs) We were dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, by our body, going around with a chip on our shoulder. We hated people and we (laughs) we were hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and we came out of it as new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior, Jesus, poured out new life so generously, and God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives, and there's more life to come in the eternity of life. You can count on this. It's God's promise. So God's first promise is, I'm going to free you. I'm going to save you. Uh, Excuse me, I'll bring you out. Number two is, I'm going to free you. Now, this is the second part of that equation. God promises us deliverance. 
So he saves us, but now he's going to deliver us. And when you get saved, your spirit man is free, but your flesh still has issues. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're saved, but you're still trying to kick your smoking habit. You're saved, you're whatever that is that's holding on to you. There's something on the inside of you, and everybody in this room, there's probably something you struggle with. And Shane may struggle with something that I don't struggle with. Josh may struggle with something that I don't. But we all have challenges in our life based on our past and our personality that are challenging. And God has promised to deliver us. That's incredible. I had a thought on how this all starts with, with growing and, and, and everything. And I was thinking, you know, when we get saved and, and he saves us, it's kind of like getting your driver's license. How many of you drive? Let me see your hands. Okay, you can put your hands down. How many of you ha- have a driver's license? <laughs> Look around. There was a couple that you got that. Yeah, we got that on video. <laughs> I was hoping y'all would get that. Um, but here's the deal. Do you remember the day you got your driver's license? Wasn't that awesome? That was one of the, as a parent, that's one of the happiest and most terrifying days of our lives, isn't it? We are about to unleash our children, and I actually mean that word, unleash our children on the world with a vehicle, <laughs> you know, and, and we'd love to give them a pogo stick, but no, the state says they can actually drive, and so, so here they go, but you know what? When you're 14, 15, 16 years old, you may have a driver's license, but all it is really is a learning permit. You're just learning. And the truth is, you're going to spend the rest of your life learning to be a good driver, aren't you? And that's how it is when we get saved. Salvation is like getting your license. You're saved. But now it's time to learn. Now it's time to grow and mature. And it's only through time and experience that we're actually able to do that. That's just the way it works. Look at number three. Number three of God's promises is, I will redeem you. God promises us restoration. And here's what that word restoration means, or redemption means. To redeem something means to put it back to its original intent. To put it back to its original intent. Trisha talked about this a little bit the other day. And here's what I want you to understand, guys. This This is critical, okay? We understand salvation, and we understand that God wants to deliver us from the challenges in our life, the challenges in our flesh. But that's not where God stops. That's like now you've got your license. Now it's time to grow. And God wants to redeem your life. And he wants to set you on the path that he originally intended for you to have. This is where Christian life gets exciting. This is where it gets fun. Because now what God is doing is developing you and helping you grow and helping you become the person that he's created you to be. But the challenge is, for many of us, we never get past step two. We're constantly challenged with or struggling with our addictions and our challenges, and we never mature into the people that God wants us to be. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12 says this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Jesus and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and everyone. And I talked about this today in our 301 class with the folks going through that new membership class. God's specific design for us 
the truth is, guys, the truth is God has given every one of us in this room special gifts and abilities. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm special. Turn to your other neighbor and say, yes, you are special. Go ahead. That's, that's okay. That's okay. But can I tell you something? It, it really is true. There never will be anybody exactly like you ever. There never was before. And there never will be again. Think, just, just for a second, I want you to think about that. Of the billions of people on this planet and all those that have gone before us, there has never been anybody like you, and there never will be again. You're a one-off. Yeah, for some of y'all, we're going to praise God. There's only one of them, right? <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers, but I can think like three or four of y'all right now. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but you know what the truth is? Now, now, just for a second, I want to digress for a second because I think this is really cool. How creative is God? That he made Josh... And he just said, I'm going to make me a Josh. <laughs> and he created his personality and the way he looks and all those different things. The Bible tells us that we are God's masterpiece. It didn't say we are mass produced. You're unique. And there may be somebody on this planet that might look like you. And we might even, you know, I get that a lot. People go, you look like that dude that plays Superman. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I dreamed that, didn't I? That was what that was. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> hey, everybody can dream. Y'all shut up. Y'all are mean. <laughs> but you know what? There may be somebody on this planet that if we stood by each other, we might even look like, but the truth is our personalities would probably be very different. Certainly our backgrounds are, and so God makes us unique. And he made you unique on purpose. And the way church works is that God, this church, God made this church like a puzzle. And there are pieces. And every person is a piece. And nobody can take your spot. Nobody can. Josh, we know this. We study this. That, that, that you have a spot in the body of Christ that is your own spot. And nobody can fill your spot. That's awesome. And some of you need to relax because you're so busy trying to be like other people, and God wants you to just be you. Now, what he wants you to do is be the you that he created you to be. And what we exist for as a church is to help you find that place. And just like that 16-year-old that's got that driver's license, we want you to be unleashed to your full potential, but we want you to mature so that you don't hurt yourself or somebody else. We want you to grow in your leadership ability. We want you to grow in the understanding of your gifts so that you become a blessing to the body of Christ. Now, I want you to take just a second and look through my lens and Trisha's lens as your pastor. Can you imagine a church where everybody understood their gifts and operated in them? What would happen? What would happen to our community? That's God's plan. In a nutshell, that's God's plan. That's the church that the Bible talks about that the gates of hell cannot stand against. You know, I helped this week, sort of. Some guys were building a house. Ronnie, they were building a house. And, and I said, Shane, I said, you want me to come help? And he's like, sure. 
<laughs> and I said, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, well, Chris, remember this. Remember this. Not all the Indians were warriors. Some of them had to pick up sticks. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but he laughed. So I just, you know. So anyway, we get over there and they're building houses and they're putting up the trusses. For those of you who don't know what the truss is, that's the thing that goes on top. <laughs> I thought I'd be like carrying sticks to give people to, you know, that metal thing that you hit stuff with. I thought maybe that's what I would help do. No, 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 no. I'm over there holding the truss up, Ronnie. Does that make you nervous? I'm helping push this thing up. If it falls, everybody's going to die. <laughs> I'm thinking this is a bad idea. <laughs> Here's my point. God created some of us to hold up trusses and some of us to do this thing and everybody. And what happens is, and this is what I've seen in this body. Do you know there's less gossip in this church than any church I've ever been around? And you know why? Because if you're so busy doing what God's called you to do, you don't want to mess with that stuff. If you're working and doing the things that God's called you to do, you don't have anything to do. It's like, why do I want to? I'm busy about my father's business. I don't have time to mess with who did what? As a matter of fact, who cares who did what? That's just the truth. That's the secret sauce. Yeah, write that down. That's good. <laughs> I just like to do that every once in a while, right? So here's the deal. God wants to restore you as part of his promise to the plan that he had for you from the beginning. God wants you to find your place in the puzzle. That's his plan. Let's look at number four. This is his final promise. I will take you as my own people. I will take you as my own people. God promises me fulfillment. God promises me fulfillment. And when I say me, that means all of us, you individually. John 10 verse 10 says this. The thief, this is Jesus talking. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what Satan does. He comes to kill and to steal and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and what? Jesus doesn't just come to save you. He comes so that you can have a full life. Because the truth is right now, I can look around this room and probably just about everybody in this room is saved. Almost everybody in this room has received Jesus as their Savior. There may be someone that hasn't, a few people that haven't, but most of you have. So you've received salvation. Eternity's already guaranteed for you. But here's what I want us to talk about in the next few weeks. Are you living here what God wants you to? To me, that's the question. Because can I just tell you something? When Grant is walking in the fullness of who God's called him to be, he's going to be an awesome husband, and he's going to be an awesome father. He's going to be a great employee and a great boss. He's going to walk in the fullness of what God's called him to be, and that is the promise. Jesus said, I, I've come to give you life in the full. That's not in eternity, guys. That's here. That's awesome. And so here's the question for you, and it's a very simple one. Are you living up to your potential? Are you? And that's not an accusational statement. My job is to kind of help 
The Holy Spirit and I up here working, and he's doing all the work. My job is to kind of get you to open your eyes up a little bit and maybe be honest with yourself and say, am I living up to the potential that God has created me for? Have I taken my place in the puzzle, and am I operating? Am I contributing? Am I fulfilled? You know, I can tell you at 51 years old, I am more fulfilled right now in my life as a husband, as a father. I'm so proud of my kids. You know, as a pastor, I mean, I can't tell you as I sit around this week, I literally, I came up here yesterday morning, I woke up super early, I came up here yesterday morning and sat in my office, and guys, I'm telling you the gospel truth, I sat up here and cried and thanked God, I was just thinking about the goodness of God and what he's doing in your lives, and I'm amazed by God's goodness. That song, Amazing Grace, and all those things we sing, but, but I'm, I'm watching God do these amazing things in people's lives that are willing for him to work and do. So here's the question, and I say this from the bottom of my pastoral heart. Are you walking in that? Because if you're not, why not? God's not saying, look, if you'll do these 20 things, then I'll give you fulfillment. What God is saying is, come to me. Let me help you. Let me help bring fulfillment in your life. I have a plan. He tells us, I have a plan for you and a purpose. And he even goes on to say, and it's good. And I'm going to give you a future and a hope. That's available to you. Take a hold of it. You know, Shane, I, I keep bringing this up, but it's been so good. A few weeks ago, probably been a couple months ago, Shane and I were talking. He said, you know what? God is awesome. Why would I ever want to live a different way? When you taste and see that God's good, you don't want anything else. And, and I just want to encourage you in that. Are you walking in that fullness of God? And if you're not, then please take a hold of it. Please take a hold of it. Allow God. And, and, and here's the hold up. And I put this on Face Twitter this week. Y'all probably saw it. And it was just me talking. But I was thinking, here, here's our problem is that we want that. I, I know right now every one of you says, yes, I want to be fulfilled. Yes, I want to walk in the fullness of God. But, but there comes a point in that relationship where Jesus says we need to look on the inside. And he says, yeah, it's all yours, but this is the contingency of the promise. You got to let me in here. And, and here's, here's where we have problems. We think, look, I'm scared God's just going to come in here and he's just going to start poking these areas in my life that are broken. He's going to expose me to the world. People are going to realize that I'm a fraud. They're going to realize that I'm this, that, and the other thing. Fill in the blank. And you know, if you know, and you think, if I could just stay hidden back in here, if I could just back away, then nobody will know and, and God won't see and I'm just going to get along the best that I can. And that's not what Jesus said. He says, I've come to set you free, and I've come to heal the brokenhearted. He also said, I did not come to condemn you. Jesus doesn't come to point out your faults to the world. The Bible says that, that he is the great physician. He's the great physician. You know, right now, uh, this morning... You know, Preston Wiles, yesterday his appendix started having issues. I told the worship team this morning, you know, he's down there getting surgery. He's going he's to be fine. But he's so big. Y'all know he's like 12 foot tall. 
I, I, told, I told Clint, I said, it won't be any problem for them to find his appendix because it's probably like as big as a football or something based on his body size, right? But can I just say something? When they're getting ready to do the surgery on him, there's a surgeon that walks into the room. And, and when that surgeon walks into the room, he'll tell, you know, you'll know what his specialty is. If, if I'm having my appendix removed, if the surgeon that walks in the room says, hey, I'm going to do your surgery, and I'm a foot doctor, what would your response be? You better step on, stepper. <laughs> you know, if I have a toenail issue, I'll call you back, Jack, but you're not working on my appendix. Right? Because I want a specialist working on me. Jesus is the great physician. And when he gets in there and he begins to look at those areas in your heart and see those areas of brokenness in there, he is the one that can fix it. And he doesn't expose them to embarrass you or condemn you. He exposes them so he can heal them. And we're talking about God's promises today. And can I just tell you that he loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be with you always. And God is not going to point out your sin to the world to embarrass you. He's going to work on you to heal you so that you can find fulfillment and be the person that he's called to be. But some of you are so scared of letting God close. And you need to trust him. You need to trust him. Because he's trustworthy. So here's what I want to do in the next few minutes. It's almost noon. I want us to take just a couple of minutes. I'm going to do this a little bit different today. I want everybody to enter into an attitude of prayer. And we're just going to take a couple of minutes. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to ask God to search your heart. Just be honest with him. Say, God, search my heart. You know what's in here. Are you living up to the fulfillment that God has for your life? I want you to know there's nobody here today that's here by accident. Nobody. And I want you to know that Jesus said the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In other words, Jesus is saying, I didn't come to condemn anybody. I came to save. But can I tell you right now? that your ability to find fulfillment in your life, the fulfillment that God promises us, is conditional only on your ability to let him in. It's just the truth, guys. 
what I want us to do, just where you are. If you've done that, if you really searched your heart today, and, and here's what I want you to do. Everybody, everybody just take a moment, put your hand on your heart this morning. Nothing magical or spiritual about this. I just want us to be honest with ourselves. We're just going to pray together for a moment. Those of you that are interested, just pray with me. We're just going to ask God to really speak to us and work on our hearts. Let's just pray this together with me if you want to. Say, Lord Jesus, you know me. Thank you for loving me. I ask you today, search my heart. Find those areas in my life where I need you. Heal me. Make me the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let me tell you how this works. You have a church with pastors. Part of our job is to help you navigate through that. You know, sometimes when God's delivering us, there's an immediate deliverance of things. And sometimes it's a process. And God does it both ways. And if you prayed that today and you really meant it, but you want to keep walking that out, here's what I want you to do. Call the church and set up a time and we'll sit down with you. And we'll talk to you about these things. Because we want you to be the person that God's called you to be. Amen. All right, well, let's all stand this morning. I'm letting you out of here at 12 o'clock. You're welcome, okay? Um, there's a thing next week called the Super Bowl. The Cowboys aren't in it, so y'all don't have to watch. I don't even care. But I, but I want you guys really, as you leave this place today, remember you're going out into a world with a lot of people that are hurting. And remember what Jesus told us, we're the light of the world. The hope of God rests in you. The only Bible that a lot of people are ever going to be experienced about or have any idea what it says is how you live your life. So when you leave this place, love people. Amen. Let me pray over you and I'm going to release you. God bless these folks. They're awesome. Lord, and I just pray that for those today that prayed, Lord, that you would just begin to work in their hearts. That, Father, they would take those next steps and that you would continue to, to move them forward in the, the plan that you have for them. Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we leave this place. Father, that uh, your hand would be on us and that we would be your hands and feet to our community. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday.